I'm Sam Mays, and today we got Mr. Marshall Levinson, recruiting guru for Pokes Report and director of player relations for MAGZ Sports. I'm here live at Bad Brad's Barbecue in Stillwater, Oklahoma, the place that most of the time Marshall and I will be together uh, when we chit-chat. Marshall down there in Texas, finishing up his family uh, vacation, coming off fresh off the Fiesta Bowl trip out to uh, Phoenix, Arizona, where we had a chance to kind of catch up a little bit. Marshall, how are you, sir? Doing pretty good. It's uh been a been a good uh been a good start to the year so far. Yeah, there's no doubt. The Cowboys are fiestable champions. They beat the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in a game that we will all never forget. The biggest comeback yeah. in Oklahoma State school history, and uh, just a wild ride from start to finish. Uh, you looked gas at the end of that game. I know I looked gas at the end of that game, but man, uh, what an incredible outcome for Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean it was a lot of fun. Obviously, when you're on that stage of a New Year's Six Bowl and you're playing a a program like Notre Dame and I mean they're number five at the time you know it's going to be an interesting one going in but then when you uh shoot yourself in the foot a couple times they come out a little slow and and they get down early on you're kind of thinking like ah this this may not be too good um but obviously they um they settled in and yeah I mean it was a it was a fun one to watch that's for sure and I mean um I mean being on the field or I mean the people in, in the stands um getting a close-up look it was uh it was a really good time and yeah definitely something I'll never uh I'll never forget that that game you know I uh, I'm sitting up in the stands with my family watching the game and you know I, mm. obviously I'm, I've been a media member for longer than I was a, a college football player there's no question about that but my love for Oklahoma State athletics definitely comes out when I'm sitting in the stands I really even can't even sit in a press box anymore because I'm too crazy uh, when it comes to the <laughs> Cowboys and I'm just sitting up there madder than a hornet in the first quarter yeah. because it's like I just felt like once again you know it, I feel the same way about the Big 12 championship game it's like the moment was almost too big or the stadium was was too big like what are you guys doing we all know you're better than this and to see them fight through that adversity and God knows what was said at halftime but I wish I could have been a fly in the wall because Gundy finds a way to right that ship and we all sat there with shock on yeah. our face as they just marched the ball up and down the field in the second half and Sanders looked like a completely different person yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what they talked about at halftime, but I mean, obviously they started out slow offensively and then they kind of picked it up. But I mean, obviously the, the team has been dominant defensively, but you lose Jim Knowles. And I'm sure that kind of different communication tactics in the first half, they were trying to figure that out. And obviously they, they figured something out towards the end of the first half or coming into the second half in terms of the, the defensive play calling and the communication there because they – they um, certainly locked it up in the second half. In the first half, they made Jack Cohen look like a Heisman contender. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know what they said, but, yeah, they figured it out. And, obviously, I mean, 30 unanswered points. Um, Unbelievable. And, even, and, they, and they still continued to – They uh, Brennan Presley fumbled the ball into the end zone. Um, I mean, they, they fumbled the ball again in the red zone, um, trying to run down there and slide. So they, they still made some issues, but it was like they were at peak performance while making issues. So they were able to kind of minimize the effects from that. And then obviously Colby Harvell Peel and Malcolm um, getting that that strip fumble and, and the, the interception obviously helps that. So, yeah, I mean, they, they started firing on all cylinders and, and didn't really look back from there, which uh, 
compared to the first half, was a completely different football game. So we've got a Malcolm Rodriguez that gets his 800th career tackle in that game. He also ends his career at Oklahoma State being one of the top five tacklers of all time. Is that correct? I think he's. I think he might be at number five. It's possibly moved into number four. Okay. Yeah. I mean, his career has been exceptional in every single way. And I think when you look at that game, the second half in particular, the leadership factor plays a role here, right? I think we all mm-hmm. saw Mike Gundy find a way at halftime. They came out engaged and excited and ready to play. Clearly, he had something to say. But you need players that are able to transfer that conversation as far as the academic side, like what adjustments yeah. they're making and that feeling to the football field. And Malcolm looked as engaged and excited and fired up as I've seen him all season long in the second half. He was phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, it's not just Malcolm, too. I mean, we know how veteran that defense was. And, I mean, for the most part, how, how veteran the offense is. I mean, you've got Spencer who's in who's played tons of games at this point. I mean, Jalen Warren's an older guy. Tay Martin's an older guy. Brennan Presley's still young, but he's been there, um, obviously playing, going off in a bowl game last year against Miami. He, he knows that stage a little bit. But, I mean, on defense, I mean, it lit almost every single spot except for Colin Oliver are guys that have been there for multiple years and right. have kind of been there, done that in terms of the pressure and everything. So, I mean, and even he is he's beyond his years. So, I really don't think that there was anyone that obviously there was no one that gave up or was kind of like down in the, the mental side of it. But I mean, they knew that they were a better team. They knew that like what they needed to do. And I really don't even know how much conversation there was about, Oh, we need to get back into it. I think it was kind of just an assumption among everyone. Like, Oh, like yeah, we'll get back into this. And it started with that touchdown at the end of the first half, getting that was huge. Cause you, you go from 20, eight to seven to 28, 14, which obviously, yeah, you're still down 14, but it's a lot better than trying to come back three touchdowns in the second half. Um, and so, I mean, Spencer driving them down there, they looked composed, they, they put it together. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it was um, that leadership aspect and that veteran mentality definitely showed up and um, kind of took over. Yeah, no, it's and it was magical to watch. I mean, it's one of those things you're sitting yeah. up in the stands and you're like, is this really happening, right? Do you start <laughs> clinching your fist? Like, I, I love that moment when I can go from analyst to just fan. And obviously playing in Oklahoma State, it's really easy to do, to get excited about uh, your team doing good things, looking at my little kids with their fingers up, your, their guns up in the air and waving the weed yeah. each touchdown. It was a, a ton of fun. So uh, that game, like I said, will always be remembered in Oklahoma State history. It's one of the biggest ones to ever get done, to ever one of the biggest wins yeah. ever in school history. But I think what Mike Gundy did in the post game to me uh, just shows you where he's leveled up as a head coach. I feel like mm-hmm. rarely do you see guys grow and development develop in this industry uh, at his age, especially when they've been at schools as long as he's been. I think they they kind of are what they are. But I think the growth mm-hmm. and the development of Mike Gundy is. After the last two years, the COVID year, the, everything that happened over the summer, I think he's a different guy, and it's very easy to see. But what he said about having a logo, Marshall, I mean, that was almost as big as as the game in itself, right? To sit there, to stand mm-hmm. there, you know, fist clinch and say, this is Oklahoma State University, and we're proud of it. And we, we are one of the nation's top brands, and they truly have been over the last decade, right? If you, if you know college football, you know Oklahoma right. State. Yeah, I mean, I think that the press conference, because it wasn't even just that logo, it wasn't just the logo comment that he made. 
but the him declaring that it was the biggest win in school history, which obviously there's some debate over. Some people think it might be 2011 Fiesta Bowl. Um, some people might think it's 2011 Bedlam. And then there's this one. That in its own right was a genius marketing comment or genius marketing, whether he knew it was going to be or not. Um, it got people talking about, because whether people think it's the best win or not, you're still discussing whether you think it's the best win or not, which means you're right. doing something right. Absolutely. And so with the logo comment, I mean, yeah, because, and I was talking about this with someone yesterday um, while me and me and Zach were on radio, we had a call in. Um, if you were to take Gundy's resume or Oklahoma state's resume, since he's been there and 16 winning seasons in a row with that many bowl games and um several New Year's Six Bowl wins and X amount of All-Americans and national award winners. If you were to take that resume and slap it on Michigan or on LSU or, I mean, even OU or Texas, people would be like, that's a top program. But when it comes to OSU, there's a, for whatever reason, from the national media or fans, whatever, there's a hesitancy to claim the same thing of OSU, but instead there's, oh, well, they don't recruit at a high level and things like that. But making those comments, getting yourself in those conversations is key because like I'm, I'm 20. So in 2011, I was 10 and I lived in Louisiana. I had zero idea what Oklahoma state was. I wasn't, I'm, I mean, it just wasn't a thing. Oklahoma state, when you're in Louisiana, that's not, really a popular place but when they won that game I didn't know that that was a thing but their social media was also not around at the time right right at least in the extent that it is now right so I mean brands are now national there's no really such thing as regional brands anymore you are everywhere whether you you know you are or not so I mean when you win a game like that it's circulating on ESPN it's on Bleacher Report it's on Twitter on Instagram on everything it's all over the TVs so this win, when you beat Notre Dame, because, yeah, Stanford's a great opponent at the time with the roster they had, but when you, when you beat Notre Dame at the top of their game, that gets noticed. And Absolutely. with recruits, all recruits over the next several years, all recruits will know is winning Oklahoma State. Like, that's all they know of Oklahoma State is that they win. They were, they've never – yeah, there was some lull years, kind of 2018, 19, but – They've beaten Miami in a bowl game in recent years. They played against AM in a bowl game in recent years, and they beat Notre Dame in a bowl game this year. You're doing something right there. So, and especially with Texas and OU moving on, when whether it's next year, year after, whenever that is, they are in prime position to take the reins of the Big 12, which they will most likely have for quite a while. And I mean, Gundy's going to be there for at least five, six more years because, I mean, his sons are there. So that's perfect time to elevate the program to even a higher level than what they've already been. So let's take a look at the big picture now because I I think you're 100% right. Oklahoma and Texas leave. The Big 12 looks to be floundering a little bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously, the Oklahoma State brass has their message that they're sending. I'm curious about it because I, like Mike Gundy, am like, but the brand is incredible. The athletic department is incredible. We're going to be okay. And then Mike Gundy answers the call with this unbelievable 
season, right? Fiesta Bowl champions, you beat Notre right. Dame, you beat Oklahoma. The brand is as big and bad as it's ever been in this moment. And Gundy's mm-hmm. talking about what's next. So if you had to look at this, and I would say this recruiting class, it's going to be a top 25 recruiting Absolutely. class. OSU fans are so irritated with me all the time because all I ask out of the program is this, maximize your opportunities. And I'm not even talking about the wins. I just want to watch them play football and think Mike Gunny's getting the best out of his football team. And I feel mm-hmm. like there's been years leading up to this where that hasn't been the case. Mason Rudolph's senior year, et cetera, et cetera, right? This year, you look at what he's done with this team. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. Is that offensive line juggernauts? Absolutely not. But they found a way to maximize everything they've done in the field. And now he's doing it in recruiting also, which is unreal. So what, what more could we ask for from the head coach of the Cowboys and when you look at this class now and maybe some additions, you know, what's next for mm-hmm. Stillwater? Well, I, mean, I think it's kind of interesting because, I mean, obviously I'm, I follow recruiting 24-7 and, and recruiting is the lifeblood of college football. Yeah, it's what you do on the field, but it's who you have to bring in to do that stuff on the field that matters the most. Um, and recruiting rankings are, are no exact science, right? I mean, people are right on players. People are wrong on players. There's right. – um, and I mean, as far as the future, they've brought 2021, they brought in 21 class of 2021. They brought in one of their strongest classes ever with Colin Oliver. And you got all these young receivers. And um, then with 2022, you sign your, like by statistics, your best class ever. Right. And so it's full of offensive firepower too. It's offensive firepower and defensive, like, quality. They, they don't have a whole lot of defensive guys, but the guys they have are very, very good. So I have a feeling that a lot of these guys are going to have chances to play pretty early because a lot of these veteran guys are going to be leaving this year, next year. And so – and these recruits are, in most cases, higher ranked than ones they've ever had before. So if you're thinking, oh, well – if they've been able to do this and put this resume on the field with only five, four stars on the roster, just throwing numbers out five, four stars on the roster. What happens if they have 10, four stars or 15, four stars is the talent. Since the talent is going up, does the production go up? And I think the easy answer off the bat is yes, because you have really, really good position coaches and you have a really, really good culture put in place. So now you have a higher level of talent in place. Does that get you contending for playoffs? Which I think right. it does because when you look at it, I, to me, and I'm going to go to preseason rankings right here. Preseason rankings are obsolete. They shouldn't really be a thing, but they are. It is what it is. Right. Because wherever you start in preseason rankings, that's kind of what sets your guide for the season of how hard or how easy it will be to find yourself contending for a championship if you start in the top 10 and you win seven games in a row you might be sitting at number three four five whatever it may be and then you lose one oh and you only drop to like eight right well if you start unranked and you win seven games in a row you might be at number 15 like right. oklahoma state did this year and you lose a game oh and you're back at 23 so it with oklahoma state putting together a season like this they give themselves a shot to stay at the top because they'll probably start 2022 in the top 10 right they'll finish this year in the top 10 right they will most likely start next season in the top 10 if they put together a good season you stay at the top you give yourself even if you drop a game or two you're still up there you give yourself a better chance to stay in the national spotlight 
And I think that's what you have to do. You have to back up this season with another season like it. And if you do that, I think you're set for the next four or five years at minimum, as long as you, as long as your players stay healthy, you keep them in place and your culture stays the same, which I have no doubt in the world that Mike Gundy will be able to keep that, that culture in place. Okay. So who are we losing this year off of this championship caliber team? So on offense, you're losing two key linemen and Danny Godleski and Josh Sills. So your interior guys right there, you're going to lose Jalen Warren and Tay Martin as your offensive skill playmakers. Um, and then depth guys, LD Brown and Desmond Jackson, the running backs, they will be departing. Um, LD Brown's just, he's graduated. He's out of eligibility. Desmond's going to transfer as a graduate transfer. Um, but the good thing is when the offensive line will get interesting because we've seen a couple guys transfer in the past couple of days, but they're going to be bringing in some transfers. They're going to piece that one together again. No, I, no idea what that line will look like next year. Right. Um, receivers, running backs, no worries in the world. They have so much depth at those positions, a lot of talent. Um, they're bringing in a lot of talent in this 22 class on defense. They're going to have to replace at least three-fifths of the starting secondary, possibly four-fifths. You already lost Trey Sterling to the draft. Christian right. Holmes graduated. And then the two that are now on the on the clock are Colby Harvell-Peel and Jarek Bernard. I think Colby's probably headed towards the draft. I think Jarek's probably somewhere 50-50. If you lose both of them, it sucks, but it's not the worst thing in the world. If there's any position or any position group, that I would say I feel the most comfortable with in terms of the future, it's absolutely the the defensive backs. They are littered with talent back there. Um, and then you're losing your your two linebackers, got to replace them, and then they're really not losing much on the defensive line. So that's really good. They're going to keep their pass rush. They're keeping Brock Martin. Obviously, Colin Oliver was a true freshman this year. They're keeping right. a bulk of their interior line. You get Trace Ford um, back. You get Trace Ford back healthy, hopefully. Um, hopefully he can stay healthy. Um, and then you've got, I don't know if you know who Aiden Kelly is, who was a true freshman this year. Yes. He was a high school All-American. He should be a factor next year. Um, you lose J- Jalen Jern again. He transfers to Missouri. But, I mean, coming up in his position, you have a guy like like Aiden Kelly or possibly Jackson Player, um, the transfer from Tulsa that, right. that's, that's picking between um, – OU, Oklahoma State, and a couple of schools around the area. Um, See, so, I mean, if they land him, then you basically fill that hole again. So they're losing some key starters, but they're losing them at positions that they have known for a while who the next guy will be. Right. Um, the only ones offensive line that you may not know exactly who's going to be in certain certain spots. Um, but I mean, receiver, you've got Jaden Bray coming up right behind Tay Martin. You've also got Talon Shetron coming in. You've got the Green Twins. You, you've got um, Brennan Presley still returning. You've got John Paul Richardson returning. All these guys are super – they're freshmen or sophomores, so they're super young. Um, quarterback will be interesting, obviously. I would think Spencer returns. So the quarterback depth, does Shane stick around? The one thing with Shane Illingworth, luckily for him, and I guess everyone in his grade level, they've been here for two years – but he still has all of his eligibility left because he was able to redshirt this year and COVID didn't count. Right. So he's been here for two years, but he's got four years left. So, I mean, that would tell me he probably doesn't go anywhere. He he probably sticks another year. Um, 
to see where that goes. But then you've got Garrett Rangel coming in. You've got Gunnar Gundy in the depth. So your quarterbacks look really good. Um, yeah, I mean, the offensive skill and the defensive depth is your is your biggest strength. And that's right. and that's normally that's what it was this year too. Um, so I really don't I really think the defense will be will be similar next year in terms of the production. They've got the guys to do it in the numbers. And then just having those wide receivers in year two, year three for most of those guys is going to be incredible to watch. Um, Cause I mean, all of them were super young and super inexperienced coming into this year. You know, we are, uh, we are being smothered almost a little bit by all the news out of Norman considering right. leaving and right. uh, all the transfer athletes and everything else. Uh, Oklahoma State, you know, champions on throughout all those things. How is the transfer portal treating the Pokes? Uh, first, let's start with that one. How, just in regards to yeah. whether it's acquiring or guys hopping in, more of an yeah. asset or a hindrance, I guess. Well, so I'll start with just kind of context. In recent years, the, for some schools, that has decimated certain position groups. Some schools, they're an entire position group will jump into the portal for whatever reason. Oklahoma State has never really had that issue. They have only gained – from the portal. Right. Yeah, they've had they've had a couple guys leave here and there, but it's guys that have never played or guys right. that guys looking for an opportunity. Right. Guys looking for an opportunity. Can't blame them for that. They've only gained, I mean, they Christian Holmes, Tay Martin, Jalen Warren, Danny Godlevsky, Josh Sills. You're talking to all these guys that have come in. This year they're losing a couple. They lost Tanner McAllister to Ohio State, Jalen Jernigan to Missouri, and a couple of these offensive linemen that are that haven't really played much. Um but they look like they're going to – they are set to gain six transfers in. None of those are official of who they will be, but they have six spots there. Um, I expect one or two of them to be offensive linemen, offensive tackles to be specific. And then I think a defensive line guy like Jackson Player, um, will be if they don't land him, if they don't land him um, there's a guy they like out of – a couple junior colleges um, that they may go may go get for some depth, um, and then it wouldn't surprise me if they were to go get a cornerback or a running back, um, just because they have talent at those positions. But the guys that are losing are veterans, and the guys that are coming up are young. Corey Black, Jabbar Muhammad can absolutely get the job done. But if you lose a guy, if you lose Jarek Bernard on top of that you might want to go get another veteran at that position. And then running back, you're losing three, you're bringing in two. You might right. want to go get another veteran guy. So let, let me it's ask definitely a, let me ask be... a, a tough question mm-hmm. here because yeah. I would have, I would have 100% entertained a quarterback in a transfer portal. A hundred percent as good as Sanders has been. And I appreciate the mm-hmm. football player that he is no question. Right. As the reality is they can improve in that position. And if you had a more of a pure passer this year, you know, maybe your Big 12 champions, and who knows what happens after that, right? Is that something that yeah. you think that they considered at Oklahoma State or probably not? The only way right now I would see them doing it is if one left. Okay. Um, if Spencer – because there's to me there's three different routes that are possibilities. One is both of them stay. Shane and Spencer both stay. It's the same kind of um, dynamic as, as this year. The second one is – Spencer stays and Shane looks for an opportunity elsewhere. Then you maybe then you think you look at bringing in another guy to compete with Spencer, whether one it takes over or Spencer just uses the competition to elevate himself. Right. Um, that's the second one. The third one is 
and I don't I don't know what the what the chances are of this. If Spencer maybe does a, a Bo Nix or a um, Adrian Martinez, where he's a graduate transfer, he's been there for starter for a few years, and and decides to maybe reset somewhere or something like that. So if, the, that if someone left, I mean, in theory, yes, I have no idea. I'm not speculating. I'm not saying that's going to happen right. or that that's been a discussion anywhere. Cause I have no idea. Um, but I mean, we've seen Bo Nix do it at Auburn to Oregon, right? I mean, in most cases, people were probably going to expect Bo Nix was the starter there next year. Right. Um, just based on by kind of by default, they didn't really, I don't think they have a, high level guy coming in. Right. Um they've got TJ Finley who was at LSU that transferred in this past year. Um that kind of played here and there when Bo Nix was hurt. And then Adrian Martinez has been their guy for what three or four years at Nebraska. Right. I don't necessarily know that there was anyone coming in that was going to be a guarantee to take his spot. So they've kind of reset their maybe they thought they plateaued in some degree or yeah. Yeah. I mean it's definitely it's that was definitely an opportunity. I mean, he's got he's got two years of elig- eligibility left because of COVID. Um, so, is that an opportunity? Sure. I don't know what the odds are of that. I mean, that would probably I'd probably say slim um, that that's the case. I mean, obviously, I'd say right now he is the guy here. Right. Um, so, but I would have said the same thing about Bo Nix and Adrian Martinez, Martinez and couple couple of other of these guys so I mean who knows those are those are the three chances but I, I I doubt they go get one unless one somebody gets hurt or two somebody leaves let's uh let's dive a little bit into the NIL conversation as it's raging throughout mm-hmm. college football some fans love it uh some fans right. hate it I'm a huge advocate of it it needed to happen it's a multi-billion dollar industry uh and right mm-hmm. now college athletics is hot and college football is right. one of the biggest sports around the world uh, this is just the right thing to do as far as giving these kids the opportunity to, you know, to cash in on the work that they've done even prior to getting to campus. A lot of these kids have built-in right. brands when they show up. So I'm here for it. Uh, we know what's happening in Norman all the time, but I feel like I don't mm-hmm. know as much about what's going on in Stillwater. Uh, so far, who's benefited the most from NIL? Well, I mean, I know kind of a little bit in depth because I work with a an NIL agency, so I've, I get to see some of these things, some of these things behind the scenes. Mags, um, correct? Yep, Mags. Um, Malcolm has been a big benefactor of um, of NIL, and that'll continue going into his professional career. It, it, he's just one of those guys that people love. Obviously, he's an in-state guy, and being an All-American type of player, it's easy to like him. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Spencer's done well for himself, obviously being the face of a program anywhere you're going to get, you're going to get love. Um, and then Colin Oliver being a freshman phenom has done really well. But I mean, in, in some of these other sports, I think we'll see a little bit more of it pick up as we get into the spring sports, but I have a feeling some of the baseball players and softball players softball for will sure, be, yeah. Yeah, will be um, popular in that department. Um, and then basketball, um, we saw um, Bryce Thompson a couple months ago, um, get a car with a Ford dealership deal. Um, so, I mean, I think that's probably maybe the biggest um, single one I've seen at Oklahoma state in terms of deals. Um, obviously OU's got several guys that are, that are popular in that area. Um, but I think in, in Oklahoma state, I think so far 99% of the things that have happened with Oklahoma state NIL 
are ones that fans can't really have a problem with, right? I know there's some, wherever, whatever you want to call it, sketchy, shady, interesting ones happening at Texas and some of these other places. Um, but, I mean, mainly Oklahoma State's been brand deals, apparel, um, autograph signings, things of that nature. So right. um, stuff that is pretty clear-cut dry of, of what's going on. So they've been able to benefit from that pretty well. And, I mean, it's still pretty new. I mean, NIL is only, what, five, six months old. So right. it'll, it'll continue to develop and progress. Um, how, much of the, how much should the university be on that conversation, right? Like how mm-hmm. much, cause, because at the end of the day, if players are making money in name, image, and likeness, it's essentially taking mm-hmm. away money from the university, right? These are businesses that would have once, you know, put money into the university. And now they're putting it into the right. individual athletes. So it's almost kind of working against yourself. But the reality is the more NIL money that you have to offer to some of these young people, the easier it is going to be able to recruit them. So it's kind of this double-edged sword, mm-hmm. Do you? Yeah. Have, I haven't heard Mike Gundy mention a, a ton about this, um, mm-hmm. or the administration in Oklahoma State. Do you feel like they are like-minded though, in regards to we've got to make this thing work for us, or it's going to work against us down the road here? No, they, I mean they definitely, and, and yeah, they haven't really said a whole lot about it publicly, but I know that they've had discussions on how can we improve in this department, and it's kind of tricky in some in some ways because the schools can't really do much, at least legally um can't really do much to aid in nil they can right. put programs in place for communication and things like that but they can't really go out and secure deals for players they right. can't make money available to people things like that now what's going on at texas yeah i'm sure there was some communication with the boosters between the administration to set things like that up which whether that's allowed or not is up for i mean right now there's no regulations so it's up for debate yeah yeah. So, but in terms of Oklahoma state, there, there's definitely discussions on how can we assist and how can we help? Cause yeah, it helps in recruiting. And yeah, I mean, if a, a booster or donors or whatever, maybe they've routinely given money to the school, but now they want to give money to players. Yeah. You may, your budget may not be as big anymore because you may not have X amount of money from so-and-so donors, but your players are still happy or you may be more enticing for recruits seeing that some of these players are getting the money. So it's like, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. It helps you, but it might hinder you in some aspects. But as long as your players are happy and you're able to recruit, that's the hardest thing. You can figure out the rest later. Um, as long as they're there, you, you'll you be fine. Um, but, yeah, no, there's definitely discussions on what's allowed, what can we do to help, how do we put these processes in place to make sure everything's being done correctly, things like that. But I'm sure there will be constantly changing rules from the NCAA over the next five to 10 years, because right. what's going to happen right now, there's no regulations. Well, what's going to happen is in at whatever time the NCAA is going to put in regulations. Well, people are going to find loopholes to it, or they're going to find other ways to do things. Well, then they're going to put in regulations for that. Absolutely. And then those people are going to find loopholes. And it's just a continuing process of it'll take years for them to really find a, if there is a, I doubt there's a perfect solution, but it'll, it'll be years for them to find a concrete solution to regulations and things like that, which at that point, I'm sure college athletics and college football might look even more completely different. So it might be obsolete at that point. So who Absolutely. knows? Absolutely. Marshall, thank you so much for your time, buddy. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, definitely. I uh, hope to join you soon again. Yeah, Marshall Levinson with Coach Report, Director of Player Personnel with Mag Sports. Marshall knows his stuff. I'm a big fan of uh, your breakdowns of games. I think it's it's not every journalist is a student of the game like you are, so I appreciate that, my friend. And we're looking forward to talking to you here at Bad Brass Barbecue when you get back. Absolutely. I'll, um, I'll be back up next week. All right, buddy. I appreciate it.